Thanks to Audible for supporting The Motley Fool. Ponzi Supernova, a six-part original series, is currently available on Audible channels. Listen at audible.com forward slash Ponzi. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, March 30th, 2017, so we're talking about energy, materials, and industrials. I'm your host, Sean O'Reilly, and joining me today in studio is Motley Fool Premium Analyst, Mr. Taylor Muckerman. How are you, sir? I am great. It's pizza day today. It is pizza day on a Thursday. It's the first time in full history. What's going on here? I don't know. It's madness. It is is absolute madness. It might be an April Fool's prank. We're going to find out in about 30 minutes. I'm sure it has something to do with April Fool's. Um, Yeah, because, man, anyway. As you can imagine- It's our national holiday. To all our listeners, as you can imagine, we here at the Motley Fool take April Fool's very seriously. Um, in fact, I'm not even talking to Taylor. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so today, Taylor, we're talking about uh, the possibility that hedge funds are now betting on a renewed decline for uh, crude oil below $50 a barrel. Uh, some actually is a rather large oil sands asset sale this time from ConocoPhillips. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but first, I want to just get some quick thoughts uh, from you on oil's recent pop. Yeah, well, I mean, couple of percent. I don't know. You we, brought it to my attention. Hark- we, we've been harking on it so much lately. I wanted to be positive for a bit. Well, I think you know, a couple weeks ago, it hit a three-month low, so you know, it popped a little bit. Because um, inventories kept going up. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, but I think basically you had the double whammy of um, I think Libya shut down a pipeline that connected their largest field to some refineries, and so uh, temporary. Temporary. Yeah. I don't know what uh, two. The the bulls credit no bears talk about the possibility that one of these countries just goes nuts again because it used to be good for like ten dollars production or just something geopolitical five years ago something the possibility of something crazy happening in Iraq or just whatever that that was good for like five or ten dollars on a barrel of crude and now it's like nobody cares I think I think before OPEC shut it down in uh, 2014 November of 2014 I think geopolitical risk kind of was pushed aside and I think that was like in hindsight yeah. for me that was a warning sign when you had uh when you had some some uprisings yeah. in a few major oil producing countries in the Middle East and North Africa and oil didn't really move as much as it yeah. does traditionally so that was in hindsight a, like a red flag for me like we should have seen this coming nobody cares uh, yeah, yeah nobody cared cuz oil was just everybody had it and oil was 100 dollars a barrel it was at its Peak price for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, and then of course you had the gasoline inventory draw, which yeah. I don't know, means that there will be an oil draw next week. I don't know. Yeah, like, I mean, it, it sounds to me like it, are hard to predict. The consistent theme is I do feel like everybody's grasping at straws, but yeah, they're all looking there. for something um, as a reason for why it moves a percent or two. Um, so, I, I, I don't look too deeply into it. Yeah, and I mean, like, I don't know if you listen to the episode I have with Crow, but he's just like. Everybody fixates on the U.S. because it has the best data, but it's not. It's just guys trading for the heck of it. Anyway, yeah. speaking of guys trading for the heck of it. Yeah, no kidding. Hedge uh, funds. Hedge funds betting, I guess, like, I, I thought it was actually just them selling their longs. But anyway, hedge funds betting on a renewed decline below $50 a barrel. What's up? That's what the yeah, that's what the, uh, the Financial Times headline said um, a week ago. And this was after all the headlines were saying, Hedge funds have never bet this much on rising oil prices uh, in in the history of oil trading, and now they have a historical decline in their long bets. Um, I think it was 153 million barrels 
um, reduction in net long position across WTI. So and these are Northern just Brent for the layman. Tr- these are future co- futures contracts, right? Yeah. So, so they're betting they're, on the future price of oil, right? And yeah. these are contracts to theoretically buy. 153 million. That was the decrease, or was that the total? That was the that was the combined decrease across oh WTI okay. and Brent. So the net longs are mo- way more than that. Yeah. Well, they yeah they are because um, it was the third straight week of selling after they hit a net long peak of 951 million barrels. That's the number I needed at the end okay. of February. So, so that's your that's your re- relative number. It was a peak of 951 million. And last week they and sold off a combined 153. Well, that was like the third the third week of declines, but that was the biggest decline in history. Wow! Because okay. I mean, you're starting from the percentage biggest, wise, yeah, yeah, that's 16, 17 yeah. percent. So just for the layman, so these 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 guys and their ties on the the New York Mercantile Exchange, they obviously have all these futures contracts to essentially take delivery of crude oil at a future date. Sure. Yeah. At a set price for 953 million barrels, which is actually a lot of oil. That's a, that's then a it decreased to 800. Yeah. Um, and just so everybody knows, most of these never actually, nobody ever actually takes delivery of the oil. It's yeah. just a financial asset. But they, they but say that. But theoretically, you could take delivery if you, you wanted to, but most people don't. Anyway, you, you is look there at like this a dollar, like... dollar or two per barrel that you like pay in addition if you actually take delivery? Yeah, I'm not 100% date. sure yeah, how anyway. these future contracts work. It's uh I I know how they can impact prices, but I don't know. I've never personally bought a futures contract. You, we we should like pool our money and buy like one future. One barrel of oil. Yeah. Yeah. We want to buy a future for 3 months from now. We're we'll going to commit to buy, yeah. We'll advertise it we'll, if, if then, the listeners want to chip in. We'll, we'll start our own. We're, we're, we both live in Arlington, oil so hedge we'll, fund. Who's which? Which of our places could we keep this barrel when we take delivery? I don't know. I have a garage. How would your wife feel about that? A barrel. Of oh, oil? you have a garage. Oh wait, we'll put the barrel. I mean, it's in the a oil communal garage. garage. People might siphon it, but uh, they couldn't refine that. No well, way. it's like the episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia yes. several years back when they oh, were God. filling their land I over with Lewis barrels the of gasoline show. because. He, uh, you know, gasoline prices were yeah. rising through the roof. There we go. Oh, man. You know Dylan from the tech show loves Always Sunny, oh, right? I mean, yeah. I hope more than just Dylan love Always yeah, Sunny. Yeah, no, so do I. And, oh, God, I'm so glad you brought that up. Anyway, um, so it seems to me like they're not necessarily betting on oil bl- being below 50. They're just being a little less bullish. Being a little less bullish, but also, I mean, because they still have such high long bets, if oil starts to, to, starts to fall a little bit more and they get a little nervous and they sell, that could just be added pressure to the downside for you could oil get prices. a cascade yeah you word. could yeah. yeah a cascade yeah that's a good word um yeah well you know i'm a bit of a poet mm-hmm. so. um do you care about any of this sure our listeners i mean it's just, obviously long-term foolish it's investors. just funny to to see how whimsical these hedge funds really really are to go from record longs one day right to the very next week, I think it's record algorithms. record se- selling. You know, I mean, it very well could be. Like it was, there was like one hedge fund that was an algorithmic trading far- firm. I, I, the I mean, name escapes more than me, one, but no. But, but bottom line, like ninety percent of the trades on the New York uh, on the New York Stock Exchange just it's just algorithms just, like, just going nuts. Like, I don't know if not, I would imagine it's very high. It's just I don't like wanna, uh, yeah, call out a number, but it's it's very high. It's think, higher than fifty percent. I think sure. if an algo liked oil, all of a sudden that could like flip. Yeah, it Instantly, could. And it'd be hilarious. Maybe we just need to start making a lot of tweets about bullish oil, because apparently some algorithms do but read Twitter. They do read Twitter, yeah. you're right, yeah. 
Um, all right, so before we move on, I wanted to give out a quick shout out to our sponsor. Thanks to Audible for supporting our podcast. Audible Channels has a new original series, Ponzi Supernova. This original audio documentary series tells the story you think you know. Bertie Madoff, legendary fraudster, is sent to prison for orchestrating the largest Ponzi scheme in history. But that is definitely not the full story. Drawn from hours of unheard conversations with Bernie behind bars and interviews with the SEC, FBI, and the victims of his scheme. Ponzi Supernova takes you on a fascinating journey into the dark interior of our financial system. A six-part Audible original series, Ponzi Supernova, is available on channels. I've already downloaded it, and I cannot wait to listen. To learn more about the series, go to audible.com forward slash Ponzi. Then listen. Audible and Amazon Prime members listen for free as well. That's audible.com forward slash Ponzi. So, Mr. Muckerman. Yes. Shell Oil, a couple of months ago, a while ago. Yeah, Royal Dutch Shell, yeah. They were they sold off their uh, oil sands assets up there in the uh, Not Canadian every North. Every last barrel of, of exposure, but yeah, they, uh, sold, a bunch of they it. sold off seven and a quarter billion dollars. So, that's, so, naturally, we're like, oh, that's a lot of money. And yeah, they sold All it, of a sudden, uh, Canadian Natural Resources. Uh, ConocoPhillips yep. announces this week. Uh, a deal nearly double that at $13.3 billion, and that's also on the tails of Marathon Oil selling $2.5 billion. Uh, what did they pay for these assets? That I, I haven't really taken a dive into. I mean, these are large, you know, for an oil company, it's like, oh, it's a billion dollars. Okay, it's a lot. Like, yeah. these are, this is a chunk of change now for even these guys. Sure, yeah, $13 billion is definitely a chunk of change. Um, they're, they're, had to cut their dividend, you know, recently. So, oh, oh. so they're trying to, you know, maybe they're trimming some debt. They're buying back shares, right. uh, doubling their share buyback actually from three billion to six billion, using some of this money. And uh, but they're not losing all of their exposure to the oil sands because what equates to two point seven billion dollars of that thirteen point three billion dollar total is uh, being paid to them in Synovus Energy Ooh. shares, which is who's buying these assets from them. So another Canadian oil sand specialist buying these assets, um, but they're getting shares, so they still have exposure to the success or failure of these assets. Interesting. Um, and they also have a five-year contingency uh, in this deal where for every dollar that Western Canadian Select Oil this is, way more complicated is above than $52, which is a little ways away, to be fair. A couple of bucks, um, but yeah. They're going to get $6 million every quarter for the next five years if, for every dollar, Western Canadian Select is over 52 barrels. So, ten, if it's at 62, they, they get, get $60 million. They get $60 million that quarter. Oh, boy. So, there's they they have a this lot of actually, upside. Kudos to ConocoPhillips. That actually feels a little bit better. Yeah. I thought this was just they bought these assets when oil was at 100 and now they're cutting their losses. But this is actually. No, so yeah, they're, they're trim, basically trimming their exposure from the $13.3 billion that they said this, this price suggests the assets were worth mm -hmm. down to what would that be? 10.6 uh, billion? So, yeah. What. Um, with you, upside. So. Uh, it's been a while since we talked about this, but um, throughout even the downturn, oil oil frackers here, you know, just domestic onshore in the United States, they've gotten even better at what they do. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, totally. there's, uh, I think I saw a headline the other day, um, there's something in the Permian Basin, and they're talking about profitable at 20, 25 bucks. And it's just like, oh my gosh. Um, do you hear any kind of efficiency rumblings coming out of the oil sands? Not to that degree. But they, I mean, they are slightly more efficient. Uh, 
just because they have to be because they're right. on the higher end of the cost curve. But if you listen to the IEA, they still expect Canada to be a significant contributor to global mm-hmm. oil supply, and that's not going to come without the oil sands. So what you're seeing here is global oil companies selling these assets to buyers that happen to be oil sand specialists. So, right. Sonovus Energy, Canadian so oil producer. So, this is kind of the efficiency thing that I'm talking about. Yeah, then. so it's these companies like, think, yeah. you know, hey, maybe we're better at this probably than ConocoPhillips right. or Shell or or um, Marathon Oil. And so, you've got Canadian Natural Resources and Sonovus being buyers of these oil sand projects. For sure. Um, some of which they've already had stakes in with these companies, so they're just buying the remainder of the stake. Uh-huh. But also, they're they're getting into some newer projects. That I wonder they if um, a part of Suncor up there. I know it was a Buffett holding for a while. I think he sold. It was. Yeah, they're um, they're the vertically integrated. They're the Exxon of Canada. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering if they'll start because they're good at. Yeah, getting I mean, oil. That's out of also oil sands. part of their bread and butter. Yeah, I'm wondering if they'll do anything. I always like that company. I don't know. I mean, because they're they're right along the lines with the Canadian Natural Resources and the Sonovus Energies of, of the world, where they understand oil sands. So right. it's not like they bought into it thinking, oh, this will be part of our portfolio. Right. You know, no, that's this is what, what we do. That's what, we, that's what they do. And uh, we got those giant trucks that you put the tar in. And yeah. So I mean, I, I don't know if they'll be sellers. Um, Maybe they had some bids no, out there for these buyers. Ass- Maybe they had Suncor, some bids out yeah. there. I don't know. I didn't see that. Um, but if somebody else sells, you know, maybe maybe it's their turn to. That'd be fun. So this sounds like it's a good deal for everybody because you're giving. You know, ConocoPhillips is getting some incentive if this works out, yep. and, the, and they're paying the people that, that are good at this yeah. are are, are working over. the assets. Yeah. And there you go. Mm-hmm. All right, good. So we'll follow it. Oh, didn't mean to hit the mic. We'll follow it for a little while because um, where oil prices are at today, it's probably not the most economic thing in the world to, yeah. to continue to develop these assets but um, if oil demand continues to rise and uh, Canada like the IEA said should play an important role very cool all right well uh, before we head out you get the last word anything else on your mind um just you know there's a couple joint how's bench- your brackets doing uh, I mean I think I still have UNC in there Ooh. So I got that going for me. I mean, I'm a awesome. I was David much Gardner loves raised right there now. my whole life, so I have to I have to at least support the home team. Um, but just some joint ventures going on out there. If you want to pay attention to North American drilling market, Schlumberger and Weatherford, they've got a target on Halliburton's back in the North American fracking oh, market. Um, I mean, they're the le- Halliburton's the leader in the industry in North America. Service companies so throwing down. If you if you don't have a target in your back, then maybe your competition isn't doing something right. So. Uh, Weatherford kind of getting thrown a bone here by Schlumberger. They were the fourth player in the market. Schlumberger was number two in North America, uh, right around there. So now they have about three million hydraulic horsepower of competitive fracking capabilities Ooh. here in North America. And Weatherford recently poached Halliburton's CFO to run Weatherford. So, and that's well, how you get a promotion, folks. That, yeah. So that was earlier this month, and uh, I mean, I'm interested. To see how that works out, Halliburton hired uh, is planning on hiring by the end of this quarter, by the end of this month, I guess. This 2000 is the first employees. time you've talked about those drillers because now it, it's time for them to reap the harvest. It is. They're yeah. like, you know, okay, so we were giving you guys a break for two years. Now it's time for us to get some day rates up here. So yeah, if you look at Dave Lassar, Halliburton CEO, in their in their last call, he he said, quote unquote, he loves the outlook for North American unconventional oil. Oh boy, uh, they they've doubled. Uh, they plan on doubling the equipment that they're going to bring back online this year than what they originally thought. Like I mentioned, they 
they're basically hiring. This is why oil's staying below fifty. People. I know, but <laughs> they're focusing on North America, which is where you can produce it for cheaper than fifty. Unbelievable. All right. Well, thank you for your thoughts, sir. Yeah, cheers. Have a good one. Let's go get some pizza. Yeah, I'm right on board. And that is it for us, folks. Be sure and tune in tomorrow for the Technology Show with uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia enthusiast and technology host Dylan Lewis. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Once again, that's industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people in this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. Taylor Markman, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!